I literally burned out for three months. I kept trying to go back to work. They'd send me home. I'd get doctor's notes. And it was during that three months that I was able to be like, okay, right, we're taking this seriously now. We actually have to do something for you. You need to move forward in a different way. I remember speaking to my mentor at the time that I got through that coaching accreditation. And I was like, I want to do this. And he said, do it. Hand in your notice. I was like, oh my gosh. Okay, right. This is going to happen. Hello and welcome to The Journal with me, your host, Lucy Spicer. The Journal is your go-to podcast for deep and empowering conversations that also gives you the practical tools, knowledge and motivation to transform your own life. Join me as my guests share with you the defining moments that turn their times of darkness into opportunities for growth. At the end of each episode, I'll be showing you how to find the lesson in someone else's story by giving you guided journaling prompts to help you change your own life. So for now, join me for our next guest entry into The Journal. This is the episode that you've all been waiting for. I had so many requests to do a solo episode about my journey and how I got to where I have today with my business. And that's exactly what I've done for you today. So I've put myself in the hot seat and I've been interviewed by my wonderful podcast producer, Annabelle in a real tell-all episode. This is things that I have never shared with my clients, never shared with my following. I share my own experience of having mental health difficulties as a child and how that led me and shaped me into the work that I do today. I am so transparent in terms of everything that I have done to help myself not only launch my business but stay consistent and build in my business how I have been a manifester for my whole life and how I've made those manifestations happen for myself but I also give you tips tricks and advice on what you can do if you want to also take the leap and do something new so also get your tissues for this one because I didn't realize how emotional I would get especially at the end of this podcast and reflecting on my journey and it was an, an amazing space to actually realize just how therapeutic and cathartic kind of being in this seat and sharing your journey can be so listen in because it is spicy <laughs> Lucy Spicer is a psychological coach, host of the Journal podcast and founder of the Lucy Spicer practice, also known as the LSP. Certified and trusted with over 10 years experience, Lucy has worked with thousands of clients across various psychology services within both the NHS and private sector. The LSP is also home to resident BACP accredited psychotherapist and cognitive behavioral therapist, Rachel Adams. Lucy and her team work closely with business owners, professionals and influential content creators. Lucy is passionate about empowering her clients to become the best versions of themselves by supporting them to understand how to change the way they think and behave so that they can live a life they truly love. As well as one-to-one -one sessions, Lucy also hosts masterclasses and sell-out live events. Lucy's expert voice and innovative methods have been featured across multiple international channels, including Vogue, BBC and Hello Magazine. She has research published in academic medical journals and collaborated with organisations including Sweaty Betty, The Happiness Planner and Neon. Hi, Lucy Spicer. Hi, Annabelle. Welcome to your own podcast. <laughs> I've now got such great insight into how it feels to my guests. When I'm reading out their bio, sat in there. And it's like, it's a very interesting um, 
mix of both like pride and like, wow, I did that, but also quite an uncomfortable, <laughs> quite an uncomfortable feeling. Is it a bit like being on This Is Your Life? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's great though. Um, I mean, you've packed a lot in there. I have. And I've only really been doing this. I mean, properly, probably four years. Okay. So, it, you know, it's not a crazy amount of time, but it's, yeah, it's a really lovely thing to actually listen to and realize how much growth there has been over that time. Yeah. Well, thank you for letting me be the lucky person that gets to interview you for your own podcast. Yes. So shall we start off and kick it off with what made you want to work in mental health in the first place? Yeah. So I think my journey of kind of getting into mental health is probably around my A-levels. So during school, and I'm sure that'll be a theme throughout this um, episode in terms of what's kind of shaped me and got me to where I was, um, I never really found my passion subject. You know, you do like so many and with GCSEs, there were things that I kind of liked, but there's never really a subject that I was like, wow, I mm. really want to follow that through. And that's what I want to be. I actually, <laughs> I actually remember vividly in one history class saying to my history teacher, Mr. Tuck, that I wanted to work in the MI5. <laughs> And he laughed back at me and said I'd be the worst spy ever. <laughs> so, so that's kind of where my head was at. And then come A-levels, suddenly psychology was a subject. And I was like, oh, I, I really want to, to pick that and explore that option. And so when, we first, when I first started learning about psychology, I, I found an absolute love and passion for it. And that's when I started to also kind of get experience in other ways. So my first experience really of taking care of others, I actually volunteered to go to Lourdes. And it was a it was a Catholic pilgrimage and it's um, in France and you go there and you take care of the sick and the dying. Mm -hmm. And I was 17. Oh, I must have even been younger than that. 16 or 17 years old at that time wow. in the summer. Yeah. And my grandmother actually convinced me to do it. And I remember feeling really nervous going. But it like it lit something like a flame inside of me making those bonds. I remember one particular gentleman who's really special to me and we formed like a really amazing connection and taking care of him and hearing his story and listening to his struggles and I was like this makes me feel like I'm living my purpose yeah so it was the combination of that experience of helping and serving others alongside just being actually fascinated about the subject and the mind and I just kept nurturing that passion so in summer holidays I used to go and work in schools and work with children who had additional needs so I remember a child that I was looking after with autism and it wasn't even just kind of caring for him in that moment and supporting him in that moment that I loved. I'd then be reading outside of that. So I became like really engrossed by the subject. You were really hyper-focused on it. I was. Yeah. yeah. And I, as I said, I think from my MI5 kind of <laughs> light bulb moment, I still think it'd be a really cool job, by the way. Um, that was the first time that I was like, wow, I want to do this. I want to, I really want to pursue this. So Following my A-levels, you know, the natural next thing to do was to go and get my degree, which again, I loved. I made some really great friends there. I did my degree in Bristol and then went on further to do my master's straight after. So I did like four years straight of um, wow. straight studying. That's yeah. intense. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of looking back. My, I guess my my rationale at the time was when you're kind of in that academic mindset, I didn't want to break away from it. Yeah. I was so used to deadlines and studying and you know writing in a particular style yeah. I was like let's just go for it and get it done yeah rather than having a break away for a yeah, year and getting out of the habit and then getting back into it yeah um so I did my studies and then I was really fortunate enough 
to have my first placement at the Royal Marsden Hospital and I was supervised by a consultant clinical psychologist. So I worked there for three and a half years with, I predominantly worked in pediatrics, so with mm. children with cancer, um, delivering neurocognitive assessments and therapy to the children and their families. And I also did some adult work there. So I stuck around there for three and a half years. Wow. Yeah. Which was quite an experience. What was that like working <clears throat> with, because how you're describing it there, if I'm thinking about myself at that age, that would feel pretty daunting to me, like working with those types of yeah. patients with those kinds of life-limiting and life-altering conditions. Yeah. That must have been pretty, pretty scary. Uh, it definitely was. I remember actually my first, so when I was, it's funny how things come around, but my supervisor at the time said to me, start a reflective journal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> amazing yeah <laughs> we're keeping it on brand guys um, no she truly did as like a real I mean if you do this work you need to be very self-aware um when working with clients and you know I was a bumbling little <laughs> 23 year old suddenly going into this space and I remember my first entry into my um journal was about walking through the corridor in the hospital and seeing my first patient a child who of course because of chemotherapy had no hair and I remember I can, I can like vividly see it in my mind now you know and you just have those moments in your life that really stick with you visually um I remember that being really hard hitting for you know at that age as you said you kind of probably haven't had that much life experience yeah. and, and things can feel quite daunting but it's throughout my work and I guess as I said you know starting with that volunteering I've always been so driven by love and so it, it wasn't the daunting feeling might have been around there a, mm. a little bit and that I was going into the unknown and and into this space that I hadn't been before. And as you said, you know, working with with patients who had um, life limiting diagnoses and prognoses. But it was my, my motivation during the whole time was was to love and to make a difference. Mm. And that overshadowed absolutely the, the scariness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that, you know, that was my first insight into actually practicing psychology which is very different from studying yeah. psychology <laughs> and the textbooks and the theory to actually being able to go into that space and make those meaningful relationships and be able to yeah to to make to make a difference I guess an important component that I, I did miss out as well just kind of reflecting on it now is I had very severe OCD as a, as a child and as a teenager and I think that as well has kind of given me this this additional kind of superpower in the work that I do because I really on a personal level understand how challenging the mind can be mm. and I don't know how kind of aware you are of OCD but it's I, it, I still think there is so much more to be spoken about and so yeah. much more stigma to be reduced around OCD but you end up doing the craziest behaviors that you know rationally make no sense, but the power of the mind mm. means that you have to do it. Yeah. So when I was growing up, it would take me an hour and a half to get to bed every night because of the rituals that I had to do around my bedroom. Yeah. So I'd have to touch things certain times until they felt right. There was just this whole, and it, it came into all aspects of my life. Mm. In school, it affected me because when I was sitting in my chair, I had to rock it a certain amount of times. Yeah. Or if I'd written a, 
written something in my textbook I'd then have to like rewrite it it it's all about and people with OCD if you're listening to this you'll get it you have to do something until it feels Feels, right yeah. yeah 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 and I didn't receive support for that I got myself through that through my tools and and strategies and through really challenging that part of my mind that was saying like you have to do these things and it's interesting now if my if my anxiety increases now you know we all live with worry Mm. it will be the thing that my mind will want to still tap back into Mm. but luckily I have the tools and strategies now to help me so I think that's definitely an important piece to share which again you know if you're my client or my follower you probably have never heard from me before is that that deepened my need to want to help because on a personal level I really understood the power of the mind yeah and it shows how strong the mind is that you were you didn't receive any support for that and I sometimes I wonder if you know when we're a child we can have those kind of like intrusive thoughts and the those like compulsions to do things that we don't really have the language for when we're a child. Like I remember a similar thing to you when I was going to bed, I would have to, you know, turn the light switch on and off a certain number of times, open and close the curtains a certain amount of times. And I would have a thought in my head, if you don't do this, mummy's going to fall down the stairs. Thanks brain. And I got myself out of it because I just one day just thought, well, I'm just going to try not doing it and see if something bad happens. And it shows how powerful just your own thought processes can be both both ways I guess absolutely and it's but it's having that that power to be able to challenge that because as you know kind of with that style of thinking it can feel so unsafe because you are doing that behavior to avoid a consequence and just like you mine was all around my family's health yeah yeah how bizarre yeah and and how you know logically logically in your mind you know that this turning a light switch on and off 10 times isn't going to stop your yeah. your parent from getting sick or whatever. Yeah. But emotionally, it feels like you have to do have it. Have to do yeah. it. It's seeking control, isn't it? Yeah. And 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 my way of controlling and and preventing an intrusive thought from potentially happening just like you was to touch. Yeah. something or, or do a ritual. Yeah. Uh, that in itself gave me safety but that was the exact thing that actually wasn't helpful yeah helpful for me yeah so yeah so it's yeah that that's definitely definitely a part of it in terms of my own experience and I think it's almost important to have that because I really as I said I think it kind of deepens your ability to be able to to help others in this space and to really understand and empathize absolutely yeah absolutely yeah Okay, so Lucy, working in the Royal Marsden Hospital. Yes. Where did your journey take you next? What, yeah. what comes next? So as I said, I was there for three and a half years and I and I got to a space um, towards the end of my time there where patients had started to pass away that I was seeing. I remember starting to have dreams of them and I was like, you know what, actually I think this is probably my time now mm. to, to move and to do something different. So... Probably not less challenging. I then went to work um, at Guys and St. Thomas's Hospital, still with children. I worked in the neurosciences department. So I worked a lot with autism, ADHD, um, feeding disorders. And so that was my next step. And wow. I was there for four years. Wow. 
how did that compare? What kind of what kind of work were you doing? What was the kind of day-to-day life in, in that kind of place? It was slightly different. So I'd say at the Royal Marsden, that was probably more research heavy. I've actually got, I've had research that I was conducting whilst I was there, now published, which is really exciting wow. in a journal called Psycho-Oncology. That was amazing. That happened in 2022, actually. Um, it took a long time for us to collect that data. I was also, as I said, doing this neurocognitive assessment. So I was doing that not only on adults who had had treatment, but also children, because we know the effects of um, radiotherapy and also chemotherapy in affecting the brain. So that was Mm. a large part of my work. Guys in St. Thomas's sort of became a bit more clinic based. So I was really lucky to be able to sit in clinic with a pediatrician, an occupational therapist, a dietitian, wow. um, a clinical psychologist. There was a whole board of us. I actually really looked forward to that on a Thursday yeah. Friday morning. And if any of my, I'm still friends with my colleagues are listening now. We have great memories of that time. So it became a bit more assessment based, which I found really fascinating. Mm-hmm. So I was able to be part of like, we call it an MDT, a multidisciplinary team. Um, and sit on sit on that board assessing children, um, giving them their diagnoses, and then beyond that, then supporting the children. And a lot of the work was with the parents, mm. um, equipping them with tools and strategies to be able to to be able to help. So that was a really great time. I actually split my time as well within the allergy service. So lots of anxiety there around allergies, not just for again, the children, but also the parents. parents, So that would look like one-to-one work and also group work. And I also did a bit of work in the renal department as well and carried out some research there. So it was a real like hybrid. Psychology tends to be a real blend of your clinical work, but also research is really important Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So I was there for, um, I was there for four years. I then uh, decided kind of during towards the end of that time to maybe go in a different direction and do something by myself. (laughs) Okay, right. So where did that decision come from? Like what kind of led to that? Yeah, so a multitude of things, I think. And again, this is why this this podcast is so important to me with people's stories is that I really believe that the biggest breakthroughs tend to come from breakdowns and that was very much my place towards the end of my time at Guys and St. Thomas's so in my personal life everything had come crashing down I had been in London I was in a long-term relationship there the relationship ended I had to move back home to Brighton back to my childhood home And everything, it really, truly, like I just said, it really, truly felt like the world was kind of crumbling around me Mm -hmm. and everything that I'd known and I'd built up was no longer there. And I think especially during that time in my mid twenties, I felt, although I don't see that that way at all now, that it was like such a backward step. Mm. Um, So during that time, I, as with any kind of breakdown I then started to reflect and think about how do I want to do things differently it actually gave me that space in stripping everything back and and just moving back into my childhood bedroom I was able to think when I eventually got to that point after the sadness like how do I want to actually move in a different in a different way and rebuild in a different way now everything is kind of shattered around me so I was doing the commute if you know this commute from Brighton to London it is not fun (laughs) every single day it was at least four hours a day. Oh my God, Lucy. Yeah, I did it for a year, a good year and a half, if not longer. Yeah, it was savage. And I was really into my fitness at that time. 
And I was leaving like first first thing in the morning, getting myself up to London, having the stress of trains being cancelled left, right and centre yeah. to try to get to clinic. And then would go and push myself and go to a hit class in the evening, yeah. come home. Luckily, I was living at home. My wonderful mother, who will absolutely be listening to this on her run, <laughs> would have dinner ready for me. I would eat and I was so exhausted that I would go upstairs put on I love watching vlogs put on YouTube and I'd be asleep within 10 minutes and that was at quarter past eight at night yeah but during that time that commute's a really interesting time for me because it was actually during that time that I decided that I couldn't stay this way I couldn't stay this way feeling so low so kind of helpless and I needed to do something for myself and it was actually only me that was going to get myself out of that position so I started listening to podcasts and this is where the kind of the idea of the journal came through I started listening to podcasts on my commute and I was really drawn to stories where people had turned their lives around where people had got to this breakdown point and now they were like flourishing and so successful and how they'd been able to turn that around for themselves and that really started to spark hope for me Another thing that I started doing on that commute as well was really romanticize my life. And I talk about this a lot, but like from being so low, from seeing, you know, only the bad, from from feeling so anxious, I was like, no, we need to start to shift this on its head. Let's look for the good in each day. Mm-hmm. And so I'd romanticize my little commute. I'd romanticize going to Pret, Holopret, and <laughs> and and get my and get my oat flat white. Yeah. Or, you know, I I worked, I mean my my clinic room looked opposite Big Ben. So I'd romanticize the fact that I was in central London and I was walking across that bridge every morning. And I just really started to listen to those podcasts that were not only giving me hope, but also to really see the good in my life. And it's amazing then what the shift that then does to your mind when you start to kind of look for the good around you. You start to feel a bit better within yourself. And then those ideas and inspiration start to to come to you. And I was at that point where I was starting to get into a bit of a better place, the, these tools, these strategies, I'm sure there was much more that I was doing, but you know, those were two of the main ones, um, meant that I got invited to a retreat in Mykonos. Oh, yeah. love. <laughs> yeah. And I remember um, looking out onto those mountains and the the idea just came to me to to do something for myself and to build a business around well-being that felt good to me and would mm. help others, but that would be in line with my values. My dad um, is an entrepreneur. He, we are very similar characters. I'm not very good at being tied down. I don't like rules. Mm-hmm. They make me feel very um, constricted. And my values at that time, when I really thought about it, was like freedom, flexibility, and financial stability. To be able to actually financially support myself was yeah. really, really important to me. Yeah. And from that place then, I actually, funny how worlds connect, my my mum met a coach in Thailand and she put me in contact with her and I had some sessions with her and we started to explore actually those values and what I liked about my work and how I could kind of model that into my own thing. We didn't quite get to the end result, but it was a really helpful experience to actually just have someone in my corner and helping me to figure that out for myself. Um, So as the universe works its crazy ways, you know, I was kind of sitting with it I was like I've kind of got when I think about it I got the inspiration but am I actually going to do this you know fear everything gets in your way doesn't it yeah and I burnt out (laughs) unsurprisingly with all that commute time with all the patients I was seeing um at Guys and St Thomas's the stress I was putting on my body from all the hip workouts I I literally burnt out for three months I had I kept trying to go back to work they'd send me home I'd get Mm -hmm. doctor's notes 
And it was during that three months that I was able to like be like, okay, right, we're taking this seriously now. We mm. actually have to do something for mm. you. You need to move forward in a different way. So after that time, I did my further qualification in coaching, um, which is a great qualification. I studied that. I got that under my belt. And I remember speaking to my mentor at the time that I got through that coaching that coaching accreditation and I was like I want to do this and he said do it hand in your notice I was like oh my gosh okay right this is going to happen so I handed in my notice for one service because I was split between the allergy service and the neurosciences department and within a week later I'd given in my notice for both services because I was like if I'm not going full guns yeah. are blazing at this All in. then it's I'm not trusting myself yeah. that it's going to work out and that's how the LSP was started Oh, <laughs> that is so amazing. I love that. Yeah. All in. All in. Yeah. I had one client signed up who wanted to pay me after I'd given her free coaching as part of our accreditation. So I was taking home £100 a month. Yeah. For a, a good few months. Yeah. And so then how did you, how did you grow the business? How, what were the first days, months of the LSP? What did they look like? I think the initial feelings were some fear <laughs> which I think is natural because I've stepped away from what's familiar yeah and was a source of comfort because it's yeah and stability familiar. absolutely yeah but also a lot of excitement I think and I thought about this a lot the more that I've been doing it within the business is that I've all I think I've always manifested even from like a very young age yeah when I really think about my life and kind of how it's panned out and and manifestation isn't about you always get the things exactly as you want but it's it's you know, the way that my life has kind of shaped itself and the journey that I've been on, my manifestations kind of always have happened for me. And I, I really harness that for myself. I always have a very strong vision of exactly what I am working towards and yeah. how good that will feel. And I don't lose sight of it. Yeah. And I think that was my real driving force in those initial weeks and months is just really holding on to what I wanted my work to look like, the sort of clients that I wanted to work with, the opportunities that I wanted to have, what it would mean that I could do for myself. And that in itself became its driving force. But mm. it's a really interesting space. And I've seen this as well with clients who have who I've supported to go and launch their own business is you go from a space of being really institutionalized. You know, I was, I went through, through schooling. I had my two degrees. I then went into uh, working in the NHS to then not, having that structure and you almost want to create that for you so I remember yeah. sitting at my desk being like right I've got to work from nine to five to prove that I've worked really hard like what yeah. is that yeah what also the working week's based on the patriarchy so yeah yeah um <laughs> Thanks, um so that was a really hard shift for me to yeah. to shift my mindset and to change what I thought and was conditioned to believe was kind of hard work and mm. I think there was a feeling that I needed to prove to myself and to others that I was working hard but that wasn't based on my value of flexibility no. and freedom no so there was a lot of unlearning to do in that time as well and I I then started to kind of network with people um in my space I met one of my very best friends who's been on the podcast Valentina she was in Hove at the time we'd go to a local cafe together we'd figure out how to write an invoice together <laughs> kind of talk about what our coaching businesses we wanted them to to look like so I think it was really important to have that network I went to events I was listening to the podcast and I was hustling I was yeah. making moves I was showing up on social media you know I was 
I was doing what I wanted to do and what would eventually get me to that end goal. When you were saying a minute ago about you were really holding on to that vision mm. of what you wanted your business to be like and what yeah. you wanted your life to be like, can you like give us some practical examples of what does holding on to your vision look like? Are we talking vision boards? Are we talking yeah. like writing out sentences about what I want my life to be? Is that is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Yeah, I think I do this in a few ways. It's, again, yeah, this is why this is so authentic. This, the name of this podcast is journaling so huge for me. And mm. I, I could actually show you, we're recording this by the way in my office. And um, I could actually show you my first journal now and what I wrote the day that I quipped um i think you should do it you want that yeah i want that okay hold I, on. <laughs> I demand it <laughs> on behalf of myself and your audience we want that journal entry right now Where is it? she's just delving into a drawer there's a lot of there's a there's a lot of journals in there wow. hey guys please come true to my friend <laughs> okay done them for yeah, lovely. Stunning. So is this, so this is the first journal you ever wrote? I had a duck, sorry, come back into the mic. Hold on. Oh, God, yeah, re-enter re the studio. Hectic, <laughs> makeshift studio. Um, I think I, I definitely journaled it. Oh God, I won't even embarrass myself what I did as a child, but I did do some sort of diary as a child. Yeah, me too. Um, it's hilarious. Yes, I'll tell you that off mic. And <laughs> no, I think this is probably my first journal. If like in the way that I use it now. Okay, so how old would you have been here? When I launched my business. Oh gosh. How old were I being, Annabelle? 28. Okay. Yeah, 28. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. I was 28, guys. Um, okay. So what? tell us okay. what this is again. Right. So what I did, I can see it now. So I wrote, I wrote down. So when you were saying to me, like, how do I hold that vision? I wrote down the things that I wanted to achieve as if they were already yeah. available to me yeah you're already but i also was life. kind of affirming to myself that i deserve this and you know how yeah. you know how how proud i am of myself which i've exactly written here okay I'll give i you, can't wait for this okay i'm not gonna give you the full i'll give you i'll give you a flavor a little flavor okay. flavor okay here we go i will have a wait list of clients wanting to book sessions with me just caveating this i had one client signed up i deserve an abundance of love happiness and financial security I help people from my heart. This is the best decision I've ever made. I'm going to be successful beyond my wildest dreams. Money wants to come into my life. There are so many people out there who want my service and want me as their coach. I'm so proud of myself. I've created my brand that I love. I would never have believed I could have done this. I'm so excited for my future and the brand I have created. I can do anything I set my mind to doing. How's it feel reading that back now? Do you know what? I know you're looking for a lot of emotion, but I do this as a, quite a frequent practice. What you reread. Yeah. 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 I think uh, in this world and, and having your own business, as you'll know, Annabelle, I'm so what's nexty. Yeah. All, my mind is literally like. Brrr. It's so difficult to, to remind yourself to actually look at where you've come from. Yeah. I know. I know. So this is a constant practice of mine. So okay. I'm really aware of what's written in here. I've kept all my journals um, over the last couple of years and I will go back to them and anchor myself in actually how much I've done. Yeah. And do you do that in moments where you're feeling like this is really tough or you're having down moments? Yeah. I think when I'm feeling tough and down moments and I think um, when I'm really preoccupied that mm. I'm not kind of exactly, you know, 
I'm not in that next space that I want yeah. to get to. Yeah. I, I think I do so much with my clients is tell them, look back. Yeah. I'm always reflecting back yeah. to them. Because the at one point where you are now is where you couldn't even imagine yourself being. A hundred percent. If I, if my old self could have heard that, oh my God, that bio, she'd go, yeah. no way. It's beyond yeah. exactly as I wrote in here nearly five years ago. It's beyond my wildest dreams, just as I'd affirmed to myself. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one way that I hold into the vision is through journaling. Another yeah. is through actually having a vision. It's tapping into that feeling. I often do that a lot through music. So the songs that I listen to will evoke a feeling and through that I kind of manifest through songs. Really? Yeah. Need more on that okay. because that sounds so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to pause the episode here to say if this is resonating with you and this sounds like we are speaking to you in this episode, remember it's amazing if you get tools and strategies and a little bit of a boost after listening to these podcast episodes or doing the journal prompts or reading self-help books, but there is nothing quite like doing the one-to-one -one work and the magic that can happen from having someone in your corner, having a safe space to explore what you're going through, where these anxieties have come from, to have evidence-based strategies that actually work, which changes the game for you. And so this is your invitation to take a breath, do something for yourself, reach out and book that discovery call to really help you turn your life around. So I don't know if you already know this, guys, but Ariana Grande is like queen of manifestation. If you even listen to her song, so I think one's called Successful. Yeah. Seven Rings is all about like, yeah. I want it, I got it, I want it, I got it. Mm -hmm. um, yes, and. Oh her latest... my God, I love that right. song. So it's all those sort of songs. Like I have like, yeah. I call it high vibe. I have like very high vibe playlists that put me into that really like magnetic energy because when I'm feeling good and I'm having those visions for myself and like what I have, I really feel like that. Like that's when the magic happens yeah. so a lot of it is like when I have my morning showers that's like one of my ways to start my day yeah. is I put on a put on a high vibe playlist oh we need a the journal with Lucy Spicer Spotify playlist I don't can, we guys, but yeah. don't judge me on my music taste. we need it <laughs> <laughs> so when you've come from the kind of career background that you did before yeah. setting up your own practice that's obviously like a lot of security although it's stressful you know that you've got you've got that financial support coming through. I mean, it's an NHS wage, Annabelle. Let's not get too excited. <laughs> <laughs> Your words, not mine. Um, it's a bold move. And I know, I know personally, starting your own business, yeah. there's so much that goes into it and you're kind of flying by the seat of your pants all the time. And it's, a, it's you've got to be brave. Yeah. How did you have the confidence and where do you think the confidence came from to actually make that, that leap? I think I really believed in it. Like I firmly believed in it and what I was what I was working towards. I'd already kind of made steps towards that. So I had a, a bit of a community on Instagram, although it was more in like the fitness space. Mm. Um, and so I'd already, the things that I do now, so I do Monday mantras. I was doing, I must've been doing Monday mantras now for like six years. So I started to like tweak and play with things again on my commute. So I was doing some Monday mantras. I was listening to those podcasts. I was watching kind of what other coaches were doing and kind of seeking inspiration from that and thinking, well, if they can do it, you know, why can't I? And for me, there was going to be, a, like when I handed that second notice, there was no plan B. I had, I yeah. literally had no plan, like no plan B. If you asked me then, well, what, what would you do if this, what will you do if this isn't going to work? That I would not have had an answer. Mm. I'd, I was not going to go back into the NHS. Like I'd stepped away from that. So I don't know. 
all that I had in my mind during that time was this is going to work. I'm going to give this a go because it is driven by, as I always has been, you know, it was driven by such a love and such a strong vision for myself mm. of how I wanted my life and my business to look. It's almost like not having the plan B was kind of the reason that you made it work. Yeah. Because you had no other option because no. you weren't even entertaining the idea that it wasn't going to work yeah. because you were so confident. Yeah. And I know in this space, you know, this, I think there's so, I think birthed out of lockdown, I've certainly seen it in my clients. I think people are reflecting and thinking in a different way. And I think a lot of people have wanted to go into the entrepreneurial space and launch something of their own. And a lot of the worry is around kind of financial security. And you might be listening to my story and be like, yeah, but you lived at home. But also, yeah, I lived at home, you know, like as in that probably wasn't, I mean, I loved it and I wouldn't change it for the world. I have the most incredible parents. But was that the space that I would have seen myself as? As like a, you know, 26, 27, 28 year old. I did my first client sessions from my bedroom. Um, probably not. So I was really lucky to have that support, but it still was absolutely a risk. Mm. You know, there's no, the hundred pounds a month, there wasn't really much I could do mm. but I just trusted that I was going to build on that do you think you have to if somebody wants to start their own business yeah. or, or do anything that takes guts yeah do you think that believing in it and having the confidence in it is is key or do you think sometimes we can really really want to do something and just kind of like oh well I'm just gonna try and if it doesn't quite work then never mind do you do you think no that... you need to back it 100 percent right okay <laughs> <laughs> I thought that wasn't what your answer would be <laughs> <laughs> so was it a smooth journey Lucy or did you have any obstacles and setbacks yeah it was, so I I really wanted to make sure this podcast episode was going to be really fulfilling for my listeners it was really in in demand and this was a question that was coming up a lot in terms of what do you want to hear and are there obstacles there's not been any like huge obstacle in my business I would say that like really stands out to me I think actually the biggest obstacle has been the mind mm. um because if you don't have your mindset strong in this game I think you're kind of it's not gonna work mm. because it is so testing mm. it is it is all on you and I'm so fortunate now to have the support of really as my operations manager but it's still my business you know it's still is still falling on me and especially in those early days and when you you course you have wobbles you know I'm saying you got to believe it 100% do I believe it 100% all of the time of course you did mm. but you have to have a strong enough mindset and a resilience to build yourself back up and that is a continual process yeah. and I think going into this space can bring up so many wounds it can bring up wounds from from childhood and kind of your and money and, and your relationship with money, it can bring up wounds from childhood in terms of how you perceive yourself and your self-belief and the way that you talk about yourself. It can it can bring up wounds in terms of imposter syndrome. I still get imposter syndrome all the time, but I kind of learned I've learned the strategies to manage that. And I think that was the biggest one for me because whilst I had all this self-belief, that was not there as a child. I I changed schools in when would it have been in year five and I went from a really lovely small school literally at the top of my road to an all-girls school and I was so lucky my dad grew up with quite literally nothing he had a very very difficult childhood and he worked so hard to be able to send my brother and I to private school which you know I'm so grateful for but the school they chose for me was an all-girls school 
pretty academic. We had mm. to take a, an exam to be able to get in. And during that time, my confidence was crushed, mm. like really crushed. I was not only in terms of like it being selective, always feeling like and was the bottom of my sets. <laughs> and, you know, if we looked at pulled the whole population, I was probably still like really high in terms of my uh, still performing at a very high level. But for me, that that really squashed my confidence in terms of my abilities and my capabilities. And that can still come up a lot. But I also had a really, really hard time with friendships. And it was a really toxic a really toxic environment I can remember vividly one of my first days at school this girl running up to me with a drawing and they'd drawn me and they'd annotated it and they'd annotated my spots on my skin they'd annotated my legs and drawn an arrow to my thighs calling me thunder thighs I'd never thought about my legs once no. and my legs is now one of my biggest insecurities yeah and it's so interesting how moments like that like can really shape you. I remember reading out in English lessons and, you know, the girls that were meant to be my best friends laughing at me and finding that really fun. All sorts of things. It was a really, really hard time school. And because of that, kind of my coping strategy was to become the kind of the clown. You know, I was the fun one. I would make fun of myself. But that is so damaging to your self-esteem. Yeah. Like I see it with clients now when they do that and they 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 make fun of themselves like I've got clients with ADHD and they sometimes joke about their ADHD and we kind of bring that up in the session and we're like be really careful with that because it's almost like you're giving others permission to kind of laugh at you but actually you're laughing at yourself and that's not cool yeah you know that can be that can be really damaging and it certainly it certainly was for me so I think that's been a really big piece of my work and within my business and actually probably the a real therapeutic component of it is that I've had to really harness that self-belief and trust in my capabilities yeah, and myself as a person. And what about like when you're working with clients, because obviously you went from one £100 a month client yes. to now you are super busy. Yeah. You're obviously dealing with a lot of people and a lot of issues. Yeah. How does that impact you in terms of your energy being drained? How do you kind of protect yourself against that? It's a really interesting question. That's why I think this podcast episode would be really interesting to my clients because they do not know a lot about me. Um, It's something that you learn kind of very early on in this space is that if you start to know about kind of my story or you start even feeling like sorry for me, that is going to completely change what would have been the therapeutic relationship and it's now the coaching partnership. So before you go into kind of any session, you are pinning it. So something really bad could have happened that day or I could really not be in the best of moods. They will never know. It will be the same consistent Lucy that is showing up to that session. And I think that is really, really important. So I almost talk about it in that way. It's like you pin it Mm. and you learn how to manage it. So when I was when I was working in the NHS, I'd have weekly supervision, especially when I was at the Royal Marsden, given the nature of it being a cancer hospital. Mm. So you use those sessions with the clinical psychologist to be able to reflect on client sessions, reflect on, you know, how they might be impacting you, reflecting on your own feelings and you're kind of given tools and strategies to be able to manage that. Of course, I'm human. So you might hear something that's upsetting and it might affect you, but I I have my own ways to be able to look after myself and protect my energy, which which is vital in this space. So one of the questions, Lucy, that's come in from one of your listeners is how do you maintain consistency? Yeah, I think this is going to be such a theme of this session, but the mindset is so important. 
right? And the tools and strategies that I do around that to keep my mindset strong. I think what we spoke about earlier, you said like holding that vision. And I think that can, that's really important in terms of my driver and I know what I'm moving towards, but it can be a really uncomfortable space between having your vision and kind of what you want to manifest and it not yet happening for you. And that's that space is then when like that fear can come in, that scarcity, like it's probably never going to happen, all kind of those thoughts and feelings. And it's about how do you manage that? Because as soon as you're kind of listening to those thoughts, the fear comes in, the scarcity come in, that's when it's going to be more difficult to continue to take those mm. steps and continue to believe that what you want will happen for you so the way that I do that I mean one of the strategies I've already shared I would go back to my journal I'd yeah. read about the things that I wanted to manifest and kind of what's happened for me now every single night without fail I'll write down three wins from that day on super tricky days when things are feeling a bit like and I'm just you know in that space again of like things not yet happening and I can feel my trust kind of wavering I would probably write down like all the wins that have happened to me recently so it wouldn't just be three wins that day I would do it like on a larger scale yeah I think that is so important especially if you're you're driven and you're always wanting to move forwards we can easily forget the good that is already happening and it's so interesting when you get to a certain point it almost becomes the things that were were like a dream to you or you were manifesting when they happen you're like oh yeah because you move on to this next level mm. you're like constantly moving into like next levels of yourself in terms of what's then become the norm and then what you're striving mm. for if that makes sense yeah. so I do lots around my mindset I do lots of rituals to myself to help myself feel really good so journaling's obviously one of them without fail you heard about my morning showers it's <laughs> just a tell all isn't it um exercise is really important to me and moving my body that's crucial um, what other routines and rituals I do? Meditation is really important. I do lots of, I really like manifestation meditations and kind of tapping into that space. I like to go into my special places that make me feel good. That's, I'm a Cancerian, so that's always by the water. I live by the river here. And if I'm back home in Brighton, I'll go to walks by the sea. They're really mm -hmm. important spaces. So I think those rituals are like integral to feeling good and keeping your mindset strong. And then I have kind of more of my, day-to-day -day strategies in terms of what helps me to gain momentum and how I've kind of learned about myself and the way that I work. Do any of your rituals ever involve just sitting on the sofa and eating a Mars bar and scrolling TikTok? <laughs> Do you want the honest answer? <laughs> yes. Yeah. A, a bit of that, but not all of that. Okay, so, good. Okay. As long as it's a bit of the pie then. <laughs> okay. So some of my, I've shared this before, actually. Some of my strategies, so I really enjoy blogs. I really, really enjoy fashion. That's mm -hmm. like a massive part of what I call like Lucy rather than like business Lucy. And I think that can be a difficulty with female business owners yeah. is that our, our um, business almost becomes a part of our identity. Identity, yeah. yeah. And I was saying this to my partner the other day, I was like, I actually need to tap in a bit more of Lucy Yeah. Um, at the moment because I feel like I'm very much like Lucy in the business. So Lucy <laughs> would look like watching vlogs. Yeah. For sure. Love that. Sometimes I do that with a cup of tea mid client day. So so I, I'm I was speaking to my client about this the other day. I have I'm very in tune with myself and what I need. So some girls would be I call some days would be soft girl days. Mm. I call them and soft girl days are gonna be where I'm kind of wearing my tracksuits, cozy, cozy absolutely, and, yeah. cups of teas, walks, Pilates instead of like running 
creating time within my day to maybe watch a vlog with a cup of tea and decompress. And then other days be like my hustle days and I've got that fire and I've got that energy mm. and I will go and they'll be my bossing days. But I think there has to really be a balance for myself. And then my evenings are very protected. So that is absolutely, phone goes away. It's probably been the biggest game changer for me the last six months to change my relationship with my phone. Yeah. Phone goes away, dinner's made, and then that is me and Tom time. I need to do that. I have this thing on my phone. It goes into sleep mode at 9.30 and then I just turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so in terms of other people, you know, anybody listening to this who wants to take the leap and start their own business, you know, enter the world of entrepreneurship and follow in your footsteps. What's What's your advice to them? And I think there'll be a lot of people that do. I have coached so many people, whether that's in group containers or one-to-one. Coaches maybe wanting to build their business further, but also clients who want to take the leap and do it in a different way. And I mm. absolutely love working with people in that capacity. So I think maybe I'll draw on those themes from those client sessions as well and what mm -hmm. I typically see as blockers. So number one is you've got to let go of what other people think. Yeah. Like that is probably one of the biggest blockers that I see is that people are too scared to take the leap and to do something in a different way because they're worried about the judgment of others. Yeah. Um, so I'd absolutely shine a spotlight on that and really think, is that something that is affecting me and start to kind of untangle that belief system and give yourself some flexibility of thought. Like how true is that? How does that does that matter really? Mm -hmm. How can I cope? You know, how bad will it actually be? Because the chances are you probably jump right to the worst case scenario. Yeah. And some, someone's fleeting judgment, that's going to stop you going for your dreams. Absolutely, there's no space for that if you're one yeah. of my clients. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I used to go running, I always used to, when I first started getting into running, I was really anxious to go running in public because I thought, what are people going to think yeah. of me? They might look at me and think I'm really unfit. What if I'm like having a bit of a walk and they might think oh why isn't she running or what are they going to think of me and then I asked myself what do I think of other people yeah. when I see them going for a run 90% of the time I think nothing I haven't even noticed them but the 10% of the time that I do I just think oh good for them yeah. and I think that I really I really drew on that when I was launching my business mm. and thought most people are if they're going to think anything are going to think good for you girl yes you know good yes. good for you hope it goes well yes Yes. And most people expect there to be ups and downs along the way. Yeah. So that like that really helped me to let go of because I think sometimes we like it's it's hard to know like, well, how do I let go of what other people think? Like, how do I actually start doing that? And I think it's just like practicing it over time, isn't it? I think desensitization like you did is really important. I think it's also there's some sort of safety to know you're never going to know. So you can either make up a story yeah. that's not based on fact and let that kind of sabotage what you want to do or what you want to say, or it's just actually sitting in that space and finding comfort in the not knowing. Mm. Um, because as you said, you know, the chances are people will support it. Or if they, if they have got something to say, you probably trigger something inside mm. of them and that yeah. it's something that they want to do. And so subconsciously or consciously, they're going to project that onto you. Yeah. But I think, especially in this space. And I found that even more with this business it's so great to find your tribe of people who do get it. And I've said this in my episode with M the nutritionist, but like finding those clappers. Yes. Yeah. Find the clappers. Yeah. Sorry. And it's from, you know, as I said, with schooling and, and those twenties, my twenties and that breakdown, a lot of that process was actually getting rid of the trippers in my life. Mm -hmm. 
and I've really now got a bunch of clappers. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing that I would say is have your why and be really authentic and true to yourself. So it's great to kind of look to other people and be like, that's so cool that they're doing that. That means it's possible for me, but don't model yourself on that person. Mm. I think especially in this this space and unfortunately I've experienced it firsthand there can be copying and people taking each other's work yeah that's just not a vibe you know you need to really ensure everything that I do is so authentic I barely follow any coaches actually mm. the most people I follow are friends or people that inspire me a lot of fashion accounts because I'm just so in my own lane yeah. and everything that I birth has come from a place of authenticity and it oozes in the kind of the responses that I get from my followers and my clients. So really, really be authentic and really stay in your lane and have your vision and stick and trust in that. And I think as we've spoken before, have that vision, like really, really get clear on what it is that you're wanting to manifest, what your values are and really start tapping into that energy as if it's already yours. So I'm like tapping into the energy of myself in like a year's time, two years time. And that's my driving force. Like I act from a place of how she'll be feeling in doing what she's doing. And that moves me forward. So get your vision strong, guys. (laughs) That would be my next piece of advice. Another piece of advice and similar with other people's expectations or judgment on you, own what you do. Stop being apologetic about it. Okay. So a lot of, again, work with my clients is actually getting them to own, especially when they've completely changed industries, own what you're doing, speak about it. So rather than going, oh, I'm a life coach, mm. you know, I'm a life coach and I work with blah, 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 blah. Mm. Such a different energy yeah. because when you start like, oh, I'm a life coach, like you're not, you're not believing in yourself yeah. you're or, not oh, i've only been doing it for a couple of months or oh, yeah classic yeah, like, love it yeah. we've become so apologetic i've had that realization recently i was like gosh i'm actually so much more like i'm i didn't i found it really difficult to own business businesswoman as a title yes yes Do, me too oh, interesting yes and i hate saying like you know i have i have colleagues i would never say i have an assistant no, I never. I ever. don't like using. No, that, I don't. Use I don't that like language. using cool. that word because no. I, I don't like thinking about anybody else's yeah, 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 yeah. assisting yeah. me. You know, yeah, it's a yeah, collaboration. Yeah. But yeah, businesswoman. Yeah. I, when people say, "What do you do?" I always really struggle to say, um, "I run a podcast production business or pro- podcast production company." So what do you say? Service. Interesting. And then that makes me feel like I don't want to be serving. I want to be collaborating. Yeah. And. Pr- and providing a providing a service in a way but it's it's also a product yeah and it's also like consultation and it's also me yeah. as well yeah so it's like a whole package yeah but I always struggle to say oh yeah I run a podcast production company because I'm like oh well I'm only a sole trader so I can't call it oh a company my gosh. I can't call it but a company how much, I'm just a sole trader. how much sexier is that that's your action point you're way gonna own sexier. that you're gonna own that yeah you're gonna now say that and it's, it's the more you affirm it that more the more it becomes your reality <laughs> But I think it's such an important, it's such an important point. And I, I think there's probably something definitely around there, it being women and like yeah. the confidence gap. And we've seen that in the literature. Yeah. We see that in the research. We really tend to under, undersell ourselves. It's actually being able to own what you do mm. is so important and stop dampening it down. Yeah. And so often we'll say, if we've just launched something, we'll say, oh, I've only been a blah, blah, blah yeah. for this long. Yeah. But actually... 
all of the experience that yeah. you've had in all of your other roles yeah. has equipped you with the knowledge and experience that you need to be able to do that job that you're now doing yeah. solo. Yeah. So actually you haven't only been doing it for the amount of time no. that you have been technically self-employed. You've been doing it for all of the time that you've been working in relevant fields. Absolutely. It all leads up to that. I think it, it's a really important point of view and it's really mm. interesting that we've both had that reflection mm. recently is actually there it's so much bigger than one thing in terms of of what we're doing mm. um and I think again you know it's so great that your Hannibal is like testament to this but you you must also invest in yourself and I think that is such a a, a key point mm. I have invested in a business coach that I've worked with before a social media manager I've invested with you and um obviously have my uh podcast produced I have I really as an operations manager now like I'm so fortunate enough to have those teams and you're going to be like yeah but I, you know maybe I don't have the finances to do that right now that's not where I started that's where I've got to but mm. when I started I was investing in to start with the odd meditation the yeah. odd manif manifestation meditation yeah. or it might be for you you know do my monthly affirmation packages mm. start there yeah then it might be a course then it might be event and then yeah. it might be one-to-one -one. I mean one-to-one you can't replicate it's so much more powerful than listening just to a podcast or listening to a self my podcast is great but you know it's not gonna it's not the same as the one-to-one -one work and yeah. I think especially in the coaching industry if you're expecting people to invest in you it's so inauthentic then to not be investing in yourself yes that's such a great point yeah <laughs> love that that's why she's got a podcast oh the final question okay it's the final question Lucy okay so we couldn't finish the podcast without this because this is what you always ask uh, your guests. Yeah. So asking yourself now, what would the younger version of Lucy think if she could see you now? Honestly, these are the first two words that come to mind. It's super cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Like if I just, and I've got such a strong image like this was quite a, a, a weird, I, I'm quite spiritual, a weird thing that I did to myself is I was on a school, I took the school bus every day and I can remember that precise moment. And I was on that school bus and I looked out the window and I said to myself, when I'm 30 years old, I want to kind of tell myself right now what I'm, I'm doing. I can't really articulate what I did. It was this really weird energy exchange that mm. when, and it, that felt years away I'm talking yeah. when I was like 13 14 and yeah. that was really when things were like the pits for me at school and I thought you know what would she be doing mm. and if I could tell her now that she has her own psychology practice that she hosts events that she has her own podcast that she's worked with all these people internationally and then before that worked in the top specialist hospitals in the UK had research published written for Vogue India but not even the business, the fact that I've now found my Tom and have a mm. loving relationship. And again, really recently found these new group of girls who I just absolutely adore. I think she would be really, well, I think she'd be well chuffed. Yeah, <laughs> and she'd be so excited <laughs> she'd to get to that. She'd be so excited. It's, it's, I mean, I really believe that everything has to happen to get you to a point. But that if, if I could have known what I'm doing now, if I could have known at that point, I think I would have been a completely different woman in terms of my confidence mm. because when I was in that space, I had such little belief in myself and such little belief in, in what I was capable of doing and everything has to happen as it does 
but I wish she had that that drive and that self-belief mm. that I've now found now mm. now in some ways so that's what little Lucy would think of big Lucy yeah what would big Lucy say to little Lucy now knowing what you know now what would you say to little you oh I would say so many things I would say that you're so much better than you think you are so much more capable Mm. than you think and you just don't fit into this model you don't Mm. fit into this model at school you you think differently your mind works in a different way it's not conventional yeah and you will you will so find your thing and you're going to love it and also you're going to be so good at it yeah and please stop believing what those girls are making you think about yourself like please oh god it's making me really emotional (laughs) it's really true like you you deserve to be loved and you don't deserve to be treated in that way and you don't need to hide in that toilet at lunchtime um because they're going to be such incredible people that you haven't yet met and you are you are so loved and you're going to share so much love with this world and you're going to give back in a way that feels amazing to you <laughs> and it's really funny you asking that Annabelle because I recently got sent photographs from an old girl a girl that I went to school with of me as my younger self and I looked at her and it felt quite emotional seeing those photos and I picked one photo that was just before you know things got really difficult and I'd clearly just explored with makeup um and I was really feeling myself and I was strike I strike this pose as if I'm on the catwalk and that was just before that confidence was meant to be undone and I've got her in my little journal and every time I'm doing something now I really I believe and I'm channeling that I'm doing it for her and showing her what's possible <laughs> oh god oh, <laughs> Girl, talk about your own therapy session <laughs> wow Mum, you might need to pause your run for that to get a tissue. (laughs) Well, I think that is the perfect note. The perfect note to end on. That was so powerful. Thank you. I'm sorry for asking you that, but also I'm not sorry because it was really good. It's so important. much for swapping the seats with me oh thank you for giving me the honor it's been so lovely I've loved it well it's been something very uh cathartic and sharing my story and 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 now my clients know how everything led me to this point and with any of these episodes I hope there's pockets of inspiration there for you as well I think there's mad pockets (laughs) huge huge deep pockets of inspiration thank you Annabelle well done thanks you've been listening to the journal with me Lucy Spicer I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation and that you feel uplifted and inspired to create change in your own life. Please take a second to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast and share it with someone who you think needs to hear this story. 
To find today's guest and to download the journal prompts, visit the links in the show notes. And to learn more about the Lucy Spicer practice and how to work with me and my team, go to lucyspicer.com. For advice and a daily dose of motivation, find me over on Instagram at lucyspicer underscore. Thank you so much for listening and I'll meet you back here for the next episode.